But we're still in Proverbs chapter 15. We're still looking at the difference between wise and foolish people. And here in this next section, in verses 18 through 29, uh, we're gonna see the, out, the actions of the wise and the foolish and then the outcome, you know, what comes out of those actions. And so, point number one in your notes, okay? We're looking at how people roll. We're seeing the consequences, the results of their actions. The godly and the wise, they enjoy God's favor while the wicked and the foolish have to make their own way and and they get the wages of their own actions. And so, verse 18, how do they deal with conflict? That's your first blank, conflict management. Verse 18 says, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Okay, we saw this at the beginning of the chapter, right? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. So whenever your soft answer, right, it doesn't just turn away wrath, but it settles down the conflict. It appeaseth strife. So here in verse 18, it's grievous, rather there in verse one, it's grievous words, right? A grievous word, grievous words stir up anger. But here we see that wrath is the motivation to stir up conflict. A wrathful man stirreth up strife. Uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll see this concept again in Proverbs 26, verse 21. Uh, a kindle, like, a, like coals stoke a fire, right? Verse 21, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Someone who is a contentious person, uh, fights and arguments are gonna follow them around. Verse 25 of chapter 28, he that is of a proud heart, so a contentious man, a, a man of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Proverbs 29:22 says, an angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. And again, the textbook example for this, we saw it in verse one. Uh, I'm not gonna come up with a better example of, of two sides of this coin than Nabal and Abigail, okay? Um, the textbook example is Nabal and Abigail. And the problem is, is you can have a potential relational problem, and you can pour gas on that fire. Nabal does that in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Uh, you can always, whether it's through your pride or through your anger or you're, you're prone to contention, uh, you can pour gas on a fire. You can always make a tough situation worse, and that's what happens in 1 Samuel 25. Uh, the, 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 the men are looking for some support from Nabal, and, and he ends up talking trash, and, and he says, you know, who's David to me? He's a... He's a rebel, and why am I gonna support him? And okay, so that was a death sentence over his life. He didn't know it. Uh, so the problem is you can make a bad situation worse, or the solution is, is you can settle conflict by how you speak. So again, Abigail is the great example of that. She uses wisdom. This is a, I mean, a powder keg is about to go off in her home, and she completely diffuses the whole situation through her humility, through her wisdom and humility. Uh, she comes to David, she bows before him, she bowed herself to the ground, fell at his feet and said, upon me, my Lord, upon me. Uh, to this point, who is she to David? And she's saying, upon me let this iniquity be and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience. I'm not gonna talk trash, I'm not gonna talk down to you, I'm not gonna be presumptuous, I'm not gonna be full of pride. I'm, hum- I'm humbly begging for the opportunity uh, to, to, to make, to give an explanation. James chapter one, verse 19 says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Man, 
if we could just get that, if we could just get a hold of that, especially the men, right? I don't know, what am I talking about? You ladies, you jumped to talking trash real, way too quick too. I mean, this is so good, right? Swift to hear. Man, let's listen as hard as we can. Let's wait until we fully understand where our brother or our sister is coming from. Because again, it's very presumptuous and arrogant to spout off when we don't have all the data. Slow to speak and then slow to wrath. A soft tongue breaketh the bone, Proverbs 25, uh, verse 15. Another great example of this uh, is Abraham. There's a strife between the employees of Abraham and the employees of Lot. And so Abraham's, Abraham's solution, he just says to his nephew, here it is, Genesis 13, verse eight, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between, here it is, this is the real issue, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. In other words, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna trust God in this conundrum, in this difficult situation. I'm just gonna trust the Lord. And you do what seems right, and I'm gonna support you. I can trust God that much. Man, that's amazing. If that's how, if, if we all got a hold of that little bit, right, that piece in conflict management, uh, y- y- you just before the Lord, you do what seems right and I'll do the best I can in just supporting you. How much drama would that take out of relationships? How much drama would that deflate out of the local church? Now conversely, okay, we're gonna see uh, in point number five, verse 23, that a word spoken in due season, how good it is knowing what to say and when to say it, right? Knowing what to say and how to say it is, is a real gift. Now beware, sometimes you're gonna run into situations where those who are pursuing righteousness, who are endeavoring to do what's right before God and man, uh, they're gonna be viewed as troublemakers by the actual troublemakers themselves. People telegraph, right? They will, they will accuse of the very thing that they're guilty of, and this is a great principle in life. Perpetrators be perpetrating, and they're always accusing other people of being perpetrators. So a great example would be 1 Kings chapter 18, Ahab's view of Elijah. Elijah's doing what's right. He's taken a biblical response to the sins of his people, and Ahab's view of Elijah is he's the one that's troubling, who's troubling Israel? Man, it's Ahab, it's, it's Ahab's leadership, he's king. The religious leaders, their view of the apostles, the apostles are doing what their creator told them to. Uh, so I give you the references there in Acts chapter five and Acts chapter 16, you can check that out. Uh, some homework for you. Uh, some people, what they accuse you of, that absolutely is what they're guilty of. And, you, and you, if you got eyes to see it, you'll see it everywhere. Um, there's been a few times, I, I had another case of this very recently where, where someone uh, in this church was falsely accused of wicked activity and all of a sudden I realized, <gasps> that's what this person's doing. That's why they're accusing my brother of wickedness because I like, who, who could make up a lie like that? I mean, that's like, who would come up with that? Like, nobody could even imagine doing something like, ah, oh, that's what, he's, that's what the accuser is doing. And, and uh, you know, man, it's just, it's just an amazing thing. Um, the, 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 you know, in the elementary ages, 
uh, they'll tell kids, you know, who are accusing someone. They're, they're, you know, I think we talked about this last time. If I'm accusing Eric, right, I may be pointing the finger of him at him, but I've got how many pointing back at me? At least three. They always, I grew up hearing four, but I can't, I'm not a contortionist. It's always been three for me. Okay, so there it is. And then beware. Other people can come off like they're righteous. Um, you know, they've got the form of godliness. <laughs> they sound righteous and reasonable, but they're anything but. Jesus warned us about this in Matthew chapter seven. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. They got the right vocab. They, I mean, they're really good actors. They're talking the right talk. They're walking the right walk. Everything looks legit, but no, they're phony. Inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Ye shall know them by their fruits. This is why, you know, we talk about, because it's inevitable, people want to, to lead before they're qualified. You know, if you just put me in charge of this, I can make this go really well. Well, let's see how you lead a toilet in Jesus' name. Let's see how you lead a mop in a broom. Let's, you know, let's watch you make a disciple. Let's see you lead somebody to Christ before we hand you the microphone, right? By their fruit, you'll know them. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Okay, verse 19, point number two. Frustration versus freedom. What are we seeing here? The way of the slothful man is as an hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Okay, we've seen this bum already. Uh, he is so lazy, he needs to learn how to live his life from a bug. Proverbs 6, verse 6. He is so slothful, he is so lazy, he needs to wake up. Proverbs 6, verse 9. Uh, it's so bad, Proverbs 13, verse 4, he needs to quit dreaming and he needs to start working. And then Proverbs 22, 13, he needs to stop with the excuses. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without I shall be slain in the streets. No, you won't. That's just an excuse because you are a lazy butt. There's a lion in the street. Okay, well, it doesn't look like that today, you know. Uh, clean your room. Well, first, okay, whatever it is, you know, uh, the roof's leaking. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd fix the roof, but, and here's a list of reasons why I can't do it right now. I can't go out to the field. There's a lion in the street. I'll be slain in the streets. No, that's an excuse. You need to stop with the excuses and just get to work. So now his sloth is destroying him. So refusal to deal with the critical and necessary details of life, what happens is, is now so many things are being undone. So many opportunities are now being lost and, and you know, sloth doesn't pay the bills and now everything's closing in on you and hindering you in life. And so now the slugger gets nowhere in life because of the obstacles his laziness has allowed to grow. He is now trapped by his own sloth. For example, I'll give you a great example. Um, uh, you know, I, I, um, I'm actually, at any moment, okay, at any moment, I'm a 300 pound man walking. Could happen just like overnight. I could be 300 pounds. You say, no way, pastor, you're so svelte and sharp, so fit, so fine. I, no, 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 you don't know. It's not like that, it's not like that at all. If I wanted to, tomorrow I could weigh 300 pounds just like that. Okay, so, so in the early days of MBT, 
We're you know, busy with ministry, busy with ministry. Uh, busy with just making sure we had a place to meet. Now, there, just, there's a lot of work that goes into planning a church. And, and uh, you know, um, I, I was about, you know, maybe 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And, and um, I was walking up the back stairs. It started from the basement. And so by the time I got to the pipe room, that was what, three flights of, three and a half flights of stairs. And by the time I got up there, I'm like, I think I'm dying. <laughs> I thought something is really wrong. My heart is about to pound through my chest. I might be having a heart attack. And I'm like, I, I'm not even sure I can walk. And I'm sitting down on some junk that we had up in the pipe room and uh, feeling sorry for myself and uh, just whining and crying about it. And all the reasons, you know, I'm so busy and there's so much going on and, and uh, you know, Church is a lot of work, ministry is a lot of work, people are a lot of work, and, and it's fall, and I didn't take my kids to the pool one time this summer because I'm so fat and I'm so out of shape, and so, like, I didn't even take my kids to the pool. And uh, so I was whining about it. I broke my back right before we started here in Midtown, and I've had just wonderfully shocking back pain ever since. And uh, so I've got my reasons for why I'm out of, I'm busy, it hurts, I'm, you know, every time I would try to work out, I would end up getting back spasms. My back muscles would lock up so hard I couldn't breathe, you know, and I'm like, I'm a victim. <laughs> There's no hope for me. And uh, I, I thank God for Mike Miles. I heard Mike Miles' voice. Uh, how many know Mike Miles? That's my father, Mike Miles. So a, a few of you. Um, yeah, so I heard his voice, like, well, if you get back spasms, you know, you, you get, I get back spasms just talking to someone. It's like, if you're going to get back spasms anyway, might as well get them working out. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, you know, sitting here whining about being fat and out of shape and busy, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's actually not going to accomplish anything. And, and so, you know, then I basically talked to Pastor Best. He was, he was a fatty too. I mean, he, was, he wanted to get in shape as well. And, and uh, so we decided we were gonna race each other and do triathlon because triathletes, man, look sharp. And so that's why we're gonna race triathlon and, and uh, we'll have this competition. And, and uh, you know, that, that helped, that got me on the journey. At the end of the day, you have to exercise. You have to do that. You have to. Uh, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Bodily exercise profiteth little. <laughs> no, 1 Timothy 4, 8, look at what the text says. Bo bodily exercise profiteth little. It does profit a little. That's true. That's why God set your body up so that you only need a little exercise to keep it in shape. The American Medical Association says that you need seven hours a week to stay in shape. Seven hours. Sounds like too much. That's what the American Medical Association says, Eric. Are you smarter than the entire, med well, maybe you are. I mean, <laughs> I've not been super impressed over the last couple of years. Uh, the American Medical Association says seven hours. They used to say five, was it five before, Chris? I think a few years ago it was five. Yeah, yeah, so they'll figure it out. It, it's not much. Let's say it is seven. That's one twenty-fourth of your total allotment of time every day. 
Uh, it's not that much time. And at the point where you get back in shape, most of you will get that hour back in sleep. Instead of needing eight or nine hours of sleep, you'll just need six or seven hours of sleep. You're gonna get that time back and you're gonna think better, you're gonna perform better. Uh, it is a little profit and, and so that's why it only takes a little work to make the investment. But you must exercise. It's called working out. Let me emphasize the word work. You have to work out if you're gonna get bodily exercise. You say, well, I can't. No, it's not that you can't, because anyone, everyone, someone, you can do something. It's not that you can't, it's because you don't want to. You've got reasons, and they're not legit. You, you can do something. No, you don't want to, that's why you don't work out. Children do what they want to. Adults do what they must. Do you want to change that diaper? No, have you ever wanted to change that diaper? Well, maybe to get them to stop crying, all right? That's the lesser of two evils, but, but it's so much better if they take their poopy to the potty, like a big boy. Poop poo goes in the potty, not your pants. Okay, so, adults do what they must. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. At some point, you gotta grow up and you gotta do what you must. When your sloth catches up to you, it looks like cortisol problems, liver disease, type two diabetes, sleep apnea, and the list just goes on. The problems compound. You get a hormonal imbalance the whole nine yards. You say, well, it's too late. I'll just finish out eating Snickers and pizza in front of TV. <laughs> I'm already there now. No, that's okay. I mean, you can be like, you could be, you could, you could say I'm, I'm so far out of shape. There's no, no, you can do something. Wake up and get to work. Make the changes today that will open up more life for you moving forward. If you haven't done it yet, make sure you listen to Pastor Beth's mission focus session. Okay, go to the finder on livingfaithfellowship.com, check out mission focus, get his session. Uh, in the breakout, and he talks about how you want to steward the rest of your life, and physical exercise is a critical part of that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I'm not working to be Mr. America or anything like that, but I am working out, uh, recognizing I'm a, I'm a pretty big man just waiting to happen. According to my BMI, I'm still too big but I'm gonna, make the I'm gonna keep making the investment. My life is worth it because I wanna invest it for God's kingdom. And so help me God by his grace. It's up to the Lord, but for my part, I'm going to work. I'm going to work out because I'd love to, in my 70s and 80s, get on planes and go hang out with great-granddaughter churches and help young men, young people, young women uh, plant churches and, and, and get fired up about doing the same. Um, you know, if everything works out according to plan, some, some granddaughter or great-granddaughter church will have to ship my body back. It'd be like a really big hassle for them. Praise the Lord, that'll be awesome. <laughs> you know? And the day that that happens, Lord willing, uh, that morning, whenever I, you know, covered my, my, my morning uh, duties, uh, I clean myself up. That's a big deal. If the day you die, you took care of yourself, you won. 
Success. Okay. So this principle applies to all of life. All right? It applies to all of life. What, are you just a placeholder where you work? Or are you working to build something with that job? Do you just go through the motions when you go to school? Or are you getting equipped for the rest of your life? You're either slothful, right? You're, and, and you're gonna get the benefits of that. You're gonna be hedged in. You're gonna lose opportunity. Or life will be made plain before you. This is the way of the righteous. So will you be industrious? Uh, and that's the second half of this verse. Smart, hard work produces a roadmap and it gives you increased opportunities in life. Uh, these righteous people have a path forward in life because they're willing to roll up their sleeves and do the right righteous work. Uh, they get to work. Psalms 5 verse eight, make thy way straight before my face. Uh, I, they're dependent on the Lord to move forward in faith, but man, they're all about it. Their life is at work for his glory. Proverbs 16 verse 17 says, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. Proverbs 3 verse six, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he, this is the promise, he, he, he shall direct thy paths. Four verse 26, ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Isaiah 57 verse 14, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. Um, man, the righteous, God makes a way for them. All right, so I don't know if we put a pen in it. It's 8.22. Uh, they put the clock forward an extra minute on the back wall because they don't want me to go over. Um, Can we, uh, can we do what we did last time and then just close with you praying with a prayer partner over how something in Proverbs got you in the fields? Can we do that? Okay, so lightning round, family relationships, point three. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Okay, so parents wanna be proud of their kids. That's what they want. Nobody, nobody has a kid and says, I hope they're a total loser for the rest of their life. No, you wanna be proud of your kids, don't you? Uh, we've already seen this, Proverbs 10 verse one, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother, and here we see why. A foolish man despiseth his mother. A wise son maketh a glad father. Proverbs 23, 16 says, my reign shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Verse 22, hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Uh, get, get, get the education God has for you. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice and he that begatteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Man, there's a blueprint. There's a road map for blessing. A great example of this was David. And look at, look at what he said about his son. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 48. Thus said the king, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath given one to set on my throne this day, mine eyes even seeing it. I'm so blessed. I get to see my son ruling on the throne that one day will be the Messiah's. Your disciple, or I hope, I hope, this is the, 
the testimony of the person that discipled you, that they can say of you what Paul said, but you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Here's someone that's established in the goals of discipleship, and they're with me in ministry. This is my beloved disciple in whom I am well pleased. Third John, verse four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. A wise son maketh a glad father. Brothers and sisters, be wise. <laughs> Make those who have the responsibility for your development rejoice because you're, because you're wise. Now, foolish living, right? If you're foolishly living, that's gonna break your parents' heart. We'll see this in chapter 17, verse 21. He that begath a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. Verse 25, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. And uh, why is this? Well, we see in the second half of this verse, a foolish man despiseth his mother. Typically, failed kids will blame their parents. Okay, that's your next blank. This happens all the time. It's mom and dad's fault, you know. He's despising his mother. Chapter 19, verse 26 says, he that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Chapter 30, verse 11, there's a generation, a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Uh, so a lot of times failed kids will blame their parents. Uh, it's your fault, my life is a mess. Even though they have a free will, uh, they can process the data just like everyone else, but they gotta have somebody to blame. Now some failed kids blame their parents and rightly so, Deuteronomy 5, verse 9, God explains that he visits the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So a child who has godless parents, the children are gonna reap that dysfunction. And so there might be a reason for that. But at the end of the day, we gotta be careful. We should honor our father and mother so it's good with us and we dwell long in the land. Uh, verse 24, chapter 28, verse 24. Whoso robbeth his father his mother and saith it is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer and God takes a dim view of it. Chapter 20, verse 20. Whoso curseth his father or mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Like, that dude's going to hell. God takes a dim view of it. Chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. I will stomp him out in the valley of Armageddon, right? I mean, think about your cross-references for this. God takes a dim view. The solution always is repentance. That's always the solution. You have a foolish son who broke his mother's heart, but he made his father glad in Luke 15. It's the, it's the prodigal son. How did he do it? He repented and he came home. That's always the solution. Proverbs 23, 22 says, hearken unto, the father, unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Um, this is why the law was given the way that it was, you know, in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. It's the first commandment with promise that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Amen? Amen. All right, we've got a minute. Let's pray, right? Everybody grab a prayer partner out of what we've seen in Proverbs 15. What is a point that got you in your heart 
that got you in the feels. And uh, let's lift that up to the Lord. If you need prayer or counsel, uh, as we dismiss, we'll have some leaders down front and we wanna help you. I love you, God bless you. Just grab a prayer partner, lift up the word of the Lord to the Lord. Ask him for his help to make it reality in our life and then have a good trip home, all right? I love you.